Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. You missed that last section of the program with Lindsay Ayers talking about the congressional maps and what's being drawn and redrawn and undrawn and presented to the legislature, what they'll ultimately do. If if you want to weigh in Monday, Monday, this coming Monday, up at the state capitol, 2 p.m., there will be a committee hearing. Uh, where people can weigh in and let their voices be heard on those different maps and options, and then ultimately what the legislature will decide to do and what the governor will ultimately decide to do. And so there's still a lot of slicing and dicing to go on, and whether those districts look like pizza pie or donut holes, uh, we're we're pro-food around here, so that's all good. The most important thing, though, is that we do have good representation and that each of us are involved in that process and uh, that's uh, that is the key to the whole thing and it's interesting because some people say well you know I, I really don't have a political home or i don't feel like i am represented uh, we've had an interesting discussion over the last few days in terms about what that middle looks like what that uh, centrist approach to governing uh, actually looks like and feels like of course we had uh, former senator joe manchin uh, on the show with us yesterday some great is that if you miss that you should go back and listen to the podcast uh, he has some great insight in terms of how we can really make sure government is working in a way that best represents the people. Uh, also yesterday, Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, who, of course, has been in the media and in the lie of, line of fire from uh, both sides, from uh, his own party, the Democratic Party, as well as Republicans, as well as the media, uh, because of where he stands as it relates to the multi-trillion dollar reconciliation bill uh, that they're trying to nudge along uh, in Congress. And yesterday, he spoke with David Rubenstein uh, at the Economic Club of Washington, D.C. And during the interview, the senator uh, was asked about switching political parties. He was asked about bargaining with fellow Democrats on all of this. He was asked about the filibuster. Uh, so I want to break down some of the fascinating and interesting things that Senator Manchin said and discuss that a lot of these, I think most Americans would say, yeah, that's a good idea. So why are we not having that conversation uh, rather than these uh, fake fights and false choices that the leaders of both political parties keep serving up for us? So let's start. David Rubenstein asked Joe Manchin about whether or not in the midst of all of this brouhaha he had considered switching political parties. Here's what he said. Have you ever thought my life would be easier for you if you shifted to being a Republican? And somebody have said recently that, um, you know, people have approached you about doing that. Every day. Every day. So um, 
And well, he, either that or just change. I mean, here's the, I, I keep wouldn't life be easier for you to do that? Oh, it would be much easier. My goodness. Are you but thinking is about that it? the purpose of being involved in public service? Are, are you thinking because about it's easy? doing it? No. I've never, I, I never thought from this. I, I'm a, I, what I'm telling you now is who I am. Do you think by having a D or an I or an R is going to change who I am? I don't think the R's be any more happier with me than D's are right now. Okay? I mean, that's about as blunt as I can put it. So I don't know where I belong. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I love that. <laughs> because what he said was, do you think having a D or an I or an R after my name is going to change who I am? Uh, there's a whole lot of elected officials that I wish could say that same thing. He said the Republicans wouldn't be any happier with me right now than the Democrats are. He said, I don't know where I belong. And I think what he, where he belongs and where he feels he belongs and where he has staked his space is representing the people who elected him in West Virginia. And that's the right thing. So I'm going to come back to that. Uh, but first, I want to talk about the, the filibuster. Of course, a lot of people have been saying, hey, let's get rid of the filibuster. That way, the Democrats can get their things done without having to get 60 votes and building any kind of consensus. You can just do it uh, by majority rule. And, of course, this has been a debate depending on who's in power uh, for a long, long time. And listen to Joe Manchin's take on this. The only thing I know, I watched the Democrats use it against Trump and a lot of things that we were able to stop things that just didn't make sense to us. So how can we just two or three, two years ago, three years ago, 39 Democrat senators led by our leader basically signed letters, please, Mitch McConnell, do not do away with the filibuster. Now all of a sudden it becomes, oh, please get rid of it because it'll help us more. Makes no sense to me at all. So this is what political courage looks like and sounds like. He is calling out his own team. We talked about this yesterday. It's easy to shout at the opposition. It's easy to scream at them. The challenge, what takes courage, is standing up to your friends and allies and your team and saying, no, that's not right. And so Senator Manchin said, yeah, just a couple of years ago, 39 Democrats signed a letter to Mitch McConnell pleading with him, pleading with Leader McConnell to keep the filibuster. And now... Now that they have the levers of power, they want to get rid of it. Joe Manchin was right. That makes no sense at all. So as we as we look at that, you start looking at, okay, let's look at the application of all of that. Uh, Joe Manchin talked about his relationship with leader Chuck Schumer and all the negotiations going on uh, as it relates to the reconciliation agreement. Uh, take, take a listen to this. Chuck and I, we have a, we have a, 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 I think a good relationship where we've been friends and, and I really, I, I respect the hard work he puts it. So we can talk through it. And I said, Chuck, listen, I'm not going to go to the reconciliation. I don't think we should be running government through reconciliation because it's not lasting. If you don't have buy-in from both sides, then we're going to be like a banana republic flipping back and forth every two to four years. I said, that's not who we are as a country. That's not the faith and goodwill that we have around the world, why people invest in us, and why we have the monetary, uh, the U.S. dollars and monetary currency of the world. I said, that's not good, Chuck. And I said, I'm not going to do that. And he kept saying, well, we've got to do that. I said, Chuck, listen, they're two different. This, these bills you have together, at one time, they're about four or five or 4.7 trillion. When they put them both, 
And I said, Chuck, one is hard infrastructure and one is social reform. Two different subject matters. Let's separate them. So we finally made a deal, and he says, well, I'll go ahead and separate those if you'll get on budget, if you'll get on uh, the budget resolution, which takes you into reconciliation. And I said, let me think about that. So I went back and wrote out a contract. Okay. And I said, here is my conditions for me voting, so don't come back and keep thinking I'm going to do anything different. Okay. But that- and he asked me not to say anything, and I didn't. All right, that's uh, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. And again, talking about how do we break these things apart? How do we make sure that uh, we get some certainty and some stability? And when you're governing by reconciliation, you have none of that because it's going to shift back and forth based on who's in power. He used the description that we'd be like a banana republic, uh, just swinging back based on who has the control of power, the levers of power at any given moment. So here's here's what we really have to to think about. Now, a lot of people are exhausted with Joe Manchin. <laughs> there are some in the progressive wing of the Democratic Party uh, who would just assume he goes back to West Virginia uh, and doesn't come back. Uh, there are some Republicans who are trying to court him into their camp uh, and some of them that are just saying, hey, he's just playing political games. But But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Senators in particular from both political parties have abdicated their power as a senator to their leaders because everything is being done by Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. If every senator, this is the real simple bottom line, if every senator would act like Joe Manchin, things would change. That would be the beginning of better days for the United States Senate. Because when senators take back their power and that they realize, yeah, I can filibuster, I can ask for things, I can negotiate, I can go to the center without being threatened with a primary in my own party because I represent the people who elected me, then suddenly you're having a completely different conversation. So it's not about all the senators adopting and becoming Joe Manchin. It's recognizing the power that they have and that they don't have to sit back and keep giving it to their leaders for political purposes. Instead, they need to step up and represent the people who sent them there to do something for them. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources. That wraps up hour number one. Much more to come. Hour number two after the top of the hour news right here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Live breaking news now on the mobile app for KSL News Radio. Sponsored by Any Hour Services. Listen at home or anywhere you go. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. This is Utah's news station. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.